92% of households that join Peloton early in the year are still active a year later. Yeah, if you like cycling to EDM. Not just EDM. Try cycling to Broadway hits, take a scenic hike in Iceland on our treadmill, or row to some 80s jams. Because I have so much free time. Whether you have 30 minutes or just five, Peloton can fit any schedule. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton tread, row, or bikes risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Welcome to Millennial 729. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Uh, so I'm in Nashville, a podcast movement. And I realized I was just talking about this and hashing it out. But like now I can't talk about it again in the main show because I just spoke about it. I'm just going to be repeating myself. But this is the one hotel I would never mind loudly podcasting from because in theory, the hotel is just full of podcasters. You know, like I wouldn't be mad if I heard another podcaster yelling through the wall, right? I mean, theoretically, but... What if there was a certain kind of content that you didn't particularly care for and you had to hear them yelling through the wall about it? <laughs> I, well, I mean, trust me, a lot of people don't want to hear some of the stuff that we talk about on this show. So I guess I can't be hypocritical. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but I have to say, there are very few people wearing masks here. And that stresses me out because of the Delta variant. I was actually pretty comfortable with no longer wearing a mask. But being in a new place and these hallways and elevators are cramped, I'm trying to wear a mask. But so few people are wearing masks themselves that I almost feel like I'm being peer pressured into not wearing a mask because I don't want to be that guy still wearing a mask. To that, I would just say welcome to this region of the country, Andrew. (laughs) Oh, Laura, I was Um, driving through Oklahoma, Arkansas, (laughs) Texas, COVID everywhere. I know you can't see it, but I felt it. (laughs) You felt its (laughs) essence. I felt the force. Oh, gosh. And, you know, in contrast, I uh, it was announced today that a bunch of Bay Area counties are reinstating mask mandates. So I oh. kind of feel a little bit better about the fact that I never really stopped. Like I didn't. I didn't. It was probably like. Right. 70, 30. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think I said on the show a few weeks ago, I couldn't even find my masks anymore. <laughs> I had stopped wearing them. I was retired. Not anymore. But if I don't get COVID by the time this whole trip is over, I will be living proof that the vaccine is 95% effective or whatever it is, because the amount of COVID I'm probably breathing in is a lot. Well, you know who else is living proof of that is Senator Lindsey Graham. It broke today that he has tested positive for COVID-19, and he was saying on Twitter that his symptoms are very mild and he credits the vaccine for that and that he knows that if he had not been vaccinated, he would be experiencing much worse symptoms. So for once, he's actually putting information out into the world that's actually helpful. Yeah. Thank you, Lindsay. (laughs) As uncomfortable as I am saying that. No, but that is good that he said that. By the way, Laura, I have a bone to pick with you. Yeah, I'm really curious about this. Oh, you're curious about this note that says, is Laura a fraud? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, I've had a little bit of anxiety about it ever since I saw it in the doc. I was like, what am I about to be called out on? Oh, see, you're getting exposed. The truth is about to come out. Okay, so, yes, I am in the South now, and I'm here for, for a few nights. So I decided, let me go to a food store to grab some stuff for the room so I'm not eating out the whole time. I see that there's a Publix nearby. I'm like, oh, great, right. Laura's a huge Publix fan. Let me go finally check it out. So I go and I do order a sub. Laura has recommended the sub, the subs. It was very good. That was a great recommendation, very fresh. I enjoyed it a lot. But then I go to check out and like most food stores, they ask me for my loyalty number. And I'm like, oh, shit, I don't have one. Wait, let me put in Laura's phone number. I'm sure I'm sure Laura has a loyalty number. She's a huge fan. I punch in her number. Not recognized. Cashier looks at me. Sorry, sir. That's wrong. I look at her. I'm like, I can't even do this without laughing. I didn't actually say this, but I wish I did. My friend betrayed me. Laura, why don't you have a membership number with 
Publix. I thought you were a big fan. So I have to be honest with you. I've never been offered a membership at Publix. That's not something that any cashier has ever asked me or offered me. I didn't even know they had a program, but I no, shop you know, there all the time. <laughs> you liar. No, you, you know what I'm talking about. All food stores have that membership. It's not anything you have to pay for. It's just you have a number with them and you punch it in when you check out. Pam, Laura, I mean, neither yeah. of you. Yeah, I mean, but honestly, I thought Laura was going to say, I'm going to be honest with you. I still use my parents' home phone <laughs> number because I definitely do that at Safeway. Uh, yeah. I see. Yeah. yeah. So I if do that at that doesn't work, I use my grandparents' old number, which like, but we've gotten rid of our home phone number from like the 90s. Uh-huh. And my grandparents have too, but they're still registered. So oh, whoever is uh, that's funny, you know. So you know what? Yeah, who's uh, whoever's got those now is getting the points. But it's like I don't care. I just want the coupons yeah. <laughs> and the discounts. Yeah. So you know, Andrew Cabby Blue in the Discord is pointing out that this is actually a new program called Club Publix. Sure. I've sure. legit I was never so- heard of this. I was so proud of myself. I was like, let me use Laura's number. I'll get the discounts. This is perfect. Uh, Not a member. I was like, that liar. Yeah, you were like, oh, I got that. I got that official Atlanta area code. Like, they're going to think I'm so (laughs) legit right now. Right. Nope. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was I thought that was funny. So, Laura, sign up next time you go. And let me know when you've done it. I'm going to fly back out here and test it. Shit, you know what? I am feeling uh, a lot of relief right now. I'm like, one, I get to save money at Publix, which is awesome. And two, uh, I was expecting this fraud note to be something a lot more scandalous. So I'm like, I mean, it felt like a scandal to me. (laughs) Andrew didn't discover my dark secret. So (laughs) not yet. I'm going to go back to I'm going to go to your Publix and discover those dark secrets of yours. I bet they're hiding there like horcruxes. (laughs) Laura would definitely put a horcrux at Publix. <laughs> she yeah, loves it, it would, so much. It would be it would be a pub sub. It would be like the uh <laughs> I really like their um what are they called? It's like a, a tofu feta cheese, like toasted okay. sub. That would be my horcrux. Nice, nice. Anyway, it was a nice food store. Oh yeah. I'm a big fan. Uh next you yeah. gotta try their bakery. Okay. But we'll anyway, do. speaking of Atlanta things. I have some observations related to masking. So, Andrew, I was really glad that you brought up. Oh, sorry. I jumped ahead. No, you're okay. Um, I was glad you brought up the masking situation in Nashville. So y'all know that I'm in the process of moving home right now, which is awesome. But I live literally an hour away from my parents inside the Atlanta perimeter. And the difference in masking is so jarring. (laughs) I literally went to a Publix up here at my parents' house, walked in. I was the only customer wearing a mask. And everybody was looking at me weird. And then I went down to the city and I went to a Publix there close to my place. And I walk in and it was like, ah, everyone's wearing a mask <laughs> and wearing it correctly, too. No dick nose. Oh, I was very that's proud. So nice. Yeah. No, that's good. I, I wish I could say the same here. But I guess a lot of people, too, they're like, OK, I'm vaccinated. I'm good. But now you hear about the Delta variant and it's like, oh, wait, you can still get COVID. Yeah. Well, and I think My thing is, I just don't want it. Like, I understand that with the vaccine, the likelihood of one, contracting it, and two, having serious symptoms as a result is pretty low. But uh, do we know a whole lot about the long-term effects of having contracted COVID at this point? I don't want to be (laughs) someone that that gets tested out on. So, no, I'm going to keep masking. I'm fully prepared to go back to, um, you know, masking and not going a lot of places. So how did the move go? Are, are, you, are you all finished? Uh, no, it's still ongoing. So we, as like a refresher for anyone who has not been on this journey with me or um, it, forgot, because it's literally been so long, in April of 2020, our upstairs neighbor's water heater burst, flooded out our condo. We had to have it 
packed out and it was like a mad pack out. So they they brought a moving crew and they were just like stuffing shit in boxes. And that's what they brought back. So we have so many boxes and I'm really thankful to the crew. Like truly, they were so nice about everything. Um, there's a little mini game that we're going to play in After Dark related to some of my items and their condition after being in oh storage boy. for after oh a year. Oh, boy. Um, but we're just having to go through boxes, and it's like an archaeological dig because there's really no logic to how things were packed because they had to get stuff out of there fast because the place was completely water damaged. Yeah. Um, so it's taking some time, but it's been like we go, we unbox stuff, we take a trip to Ikea, I um, go through a little bit of like overwhelming existential dread by being around that many people in an Ikea, <laughs> especially in the uh, warehouse. And then we go yeah. home and we unbox more stuff and the cycle repeats itself, you know, and we go back. I discovered Ikea now has uh, vegetarian Swedish meatballs. That's fun. So Ooh. I got to try those. Yeah. Um, so it's just like this cycle of like unpacking, going to the store, going to Goodwill to drop stuff off, unpacking, going back to the store. Y'all know how it is. You've moved before. Um, mm. Moving really sucks. I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of delirious in case you can't tell. But I am also so happy that our place is finally done. Yay. It's been so long. <laughs> By the way, Laura, can you check your phone? Did you get a text message? And can you give me that security code? <laughs> I'm signing Laura up for Club Publix. Oh, my What's God. What's the security code? <laughs> it's 3881. 3881. Are people okay. going to have access to my Publix Club card? Club Publix? No. Not unless they have your phone number, right? Right. Uh, yeah, correct. And uh, I'm putting in a password. So if okay. I ever go to Publix, I will just punch in Laura's number and make sure she gets those just use my sweet, number, sweet right? rewards. Yes, I've just completed it. I didn't know your zip code, so I just put the one that I'm in right now. Um, okay, but it's not right, yeah, I, but fine. Oh, wants me to pick my favorite Publix. Well, I'll skip this part. You can do that later. But yeah, so now when any of us go, we just punch in Laura's number and we'll get those sick pub sub discounts hell yeah okay laura yeah that sounds great thank you for signing me up i can't wait to start saving money you know Publix is really oh boy, great here we go. if you mm-hmm. no, no 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 if you go there to get your flu shot they give you a ten dollar uh-huh. Publix gift card oh that's great <laughs> yeah. yeah so like every year i go to get my flu shot and then i just turn around and go buy a pub sub and most insurances <laughs> cover the flu shot like you can get that for free right. so it's like it's like Free I'm money. making money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, there's this talk of starting to pay Americans, all Americans, $100 just to get vaccinated. Did y'all see that? I can't believe that this is like that is America. That people just don't want to prevent pain and anguish. So we have to pay them to go get something that's good for them. Yeah. And I think Manhattan already started this or New York and the boroughs. I mean... So that's good. This has been a productive show so far. We got a Publix account for Laura. Okay, so we have this email from a listener. It's a pretty serious topic. I thought it would be an interesting discussion. This was a confessional, so we don't have the name of the writer. My best friend is one of those people that can never catch a break. He had a really messed up family and childhood, had to drop out of high school and get his GED, and every job he's worked has taken advantage of him and treated him terribly. He is such a good person and really a hard worker. He's 34 and has no family or any kind of support system except for me. He's miserable at the job he currently works, doing pest control. The company sucks, takes advantage of him, and works him until he's bone-tired. He's depressed, too tired to do anything with any free time he gets, and the more years that go by, the more he doesn't see a point in anything at all. I can honestly see why he feels so low after everything he's been through and what life keeps throwing at him. The little I've mentioned is a fraction of what he's been through. It's really hard to see such a kind, genuinely good person go through this endless cycle of letdowns and trauma and disappointment. I've tried to support him however I can, but his main problem is finding a job that doesn't make him miserable. Know of any careers he could try next without having a college education? Any advice would be greatly appreciated. I don't know what else to do at this point. Well, first of all, you're a great friend for trying to help somebody who's been down on his luck. The first thing that kind of occurs to me is 
there are a lot of work from home opportunities that have come up as a result of the pandemic. I know friends who don't have college degrees who were able to pick up technical support work from home jobs, IT work from home jobs, definitely entry level stuff, but something that you could absolutely do without a bachelor's degree or even an associate's degree. Um, Not to say that, you know, if your friends felt like um, going to school would enable them to do something that they felt passionate about, that is a good option too. But I also just wanted to highlight the fact that there are companies looking for remote workers. I don't know where y'all are, but just from perusing job pages myself, it seems a lot of companies seeking remote workers don't even have requirements about where you're working from remotely. I, I know that used to be a thing in the past, like it would be remote, but you had to be in a certain geographic region. And it really seems like that's opened up a lot lately. Mm-hmm. And plus, companies like that will provide you with a computer. So even if he doesn't have one right now, it would give him an opportunity to have that technology so that he can maybe pursue other interests. And Andrew, I think you have some notes here about identifying what those could be. Yeah, I think he could browse places like YouTube and Masterclass for certain fields or topics he's always been interested in. Enjoy learning more about that field or fields, and maybe that'll ignite a spark in him that'll motivate him to pursue an entirely new career, because it is never too late to switch careers. Honestly, personally, I would be more than happy to switch careers at this point in my life, and I'm in a similar age that he is. I've done what I've been doing for 15, 20 years now, and you know what? It's enough. (laughs) It's been a good run. And for the record, I'm absolutely not changing careers. I'm happy. But what I'm saying is it has been so long that I've been doing what I do. A total change sounds incredibly refreshing to me at this point. And for that reason, I would welcome and celebrate the idea rather than being fearful of it. Justin in our Discord is recommending programming and says, as a self-taught programmer, I never felt kept back not having a computer science degree after the initial hurdle, and it pays pretty well. That is so true. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Mark codes, but he was largely self-taught. He's in school for it now, but a lot of what he knows is because he taught himself how to do it. There are a ton of resources out there for that. I mean, even YouTube is a great resource for learning how to code. It's amazing how huge of a resource YouTube is. I mean, you can find every damn thing on there that you want. I would also say maybe just like um, try and do some research online and look for companies that allow for um, uh, growth opportunities. I think uh, banking is probably one of like the oldest industries where you can still, you know, work your way up from um a teller to even like an assistant branch manager or higher without a degree um usually i think people have the most luck with smaller banks like community banks um or even a like if you're interested in tech a company like apple my brother worked for Apple for many, many years before he finally got a job in the field that he wanted. Um, but he was always telling me about how, you know, they have these um, internal like internship opportunities. So if you're interested in like the Apple music sector or something like that, like there were opportunities to to get paid to go do that as well, because they like to hire good employees from within. It seems like your friends are really hard workers. So I can't imagine, you know, the right company not wanting to invest in that. Yeah. Yeah. It can also be a great opportunity to travel. Um, I used to work there and Apple would send retail employees all over the world to help open stores in new countries. Like I had a friend who got to go open the store in Turkey. So he was literally paid to be in Turkey for like a month to help open that store and get the new employees trained. So there really are a lot of opportunities that can also help you like branch out a little bit and get to see the world if that's what you want. The only other thing I would add here is, I mean, we only have three paragraphs to go off of, but I think that anyone can benefit from therapy. And it sounds like your friend has been through a lot. And if he's really feeling miserable and like there's no point in trying, he might benefit from 
either using an app like, you know, Talkspace, I know we've talked about here on the show, but also even just in like traditional in-person therapy, I think could help him unpack some of that and be able to begin taking those steps and set goals to do it. One more idea I have is if your friend has some skill set or um, degree in a particular field, he can actually teach that online to students around the world. There's a site called OutSchool, which lets anyone really become a teacher and teach things that they know well. I actually know somebody who uses OutSchool. Um, by no, I mean, I follow her on Instagram. She actually, I mentioned their Instagram account a couple weeks ago, Quench Your Adventure. And she teaches English to students abroad. And this is her full-time job. And she does it from her RV, wherever her and her husband are that week. So I think that's an amazing resource and an amazing opportunity for anybody with um, with certain skills that they excel at. Because really, anybody can become a teacher. And it seems like they can make good money on average. It looks like they make about $50 an hour, according to their website. All right. That all? I think so. We would love an update, though. Yeah, let us know what happens. All right, Pam, you're going to talk more about the vaccination sitch. Yeah, so out here in my neck of the woods, I actually noticed this um, about two weeks ago when I I went to one of my favorite bars in San Francisco. Um, They were actually requiring proof of vaccination at the door. And I was like, that's fine with me because I'm vaccinated and the friends that I came with are vaccinated. Good for you for, you know... Um, trying to make sure that this establishment is safe for your workers and for people that come here. Uh, But it turns out they're not the only ones doing this. And they definitely won't be the last because uh, late last week, the San Francisco Bar Owners Alliance, who represents about 300 bars or so, give or take, in the city, uh, decided that they were actually going to require proof of vaccination for anybody that wants to sit indoors in these establishments. And this is a direct result of the spike in COVID cases across the state. Uh, San Francisco has done pretty well in terms of vaccination, uh, but they're still only at 70%, which seems like a lot, but it's clearly not enough um, between, you know, just like locals and also tourists coming into the city to really nip this in the bud, unfortunately. Um, and in the statement, uh, they pointed specifically to the uptick in COVID-19 cases among the staff, especially those who are fully vaccinated. Um, they said, quote, we believe we are obligated to protect our workers and their families and to offer a safe space for customers to relax, to relax and socialize. So the policy officially went into effect this last Thursday. Patrons without proof of vaccine or a negative test result within the past 72 hours are allowed to sit outside. Um, And then individual bars, if they decide to, can opt out of requiring proof of vaccine. So it's not mandatory, but it's their official stance, which is kind of a big deal. Mm. And they're not the only city that are, you know, trying to take um, kind of more extreme measures, measures to make sure that the establishment stays safe. I know that you guys put some other examples in here as well. Yeah. So I know Broadway, they announced this week that when they reopen, all attendees will have to be vaccinated and wearing masks. My husband, Bruce Springsteen, has been back on Broadway for about a month now, and they've been requiring proof of vaccination. Uh, I'm going with my mom in another week, and I am looking forward to being there and knowing that everybody is vaccinated around me. That's probably the first time, first and last time I'll be able to say that. (laughs) Because really, so many places you just you don't know, and so many places will not be uh, setting up these guidelines like San Francisco bars are. And also this week, many other businesses are requiring their employees to be vaccinated before returning to the office, including Walmart, the Washington Post, the Walt Disney Corporation, Netflix, Facebook, Google, or else they will have to submit to tests regularly. And I think some places, too, are just straight up requiring vaccinations. Good. You ha- you have to be vaccinated in order to return to the office. Yeah. So there's been a lot of momentum this week, and I I feel like that momentum is going to keep up. And I think a lot of these companies are like, well, I see other companies doing it, and the world isn't 
ending for them. So let's just do it. Well, also, they know that we're headed for another shutdown if something isn't done. So now the private sector is starting to step up and finally do its part in this regard. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, Pam, are you going to be going to bars then? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, this the two weeks ago when I went to this one in particular was the first time I had really been to a bar since um, things had started opening back up again. Um, I think that definitely would make me feel a little bit safer. But yeah, like mostly if we've been going out at all, it's just really been sitting outdoors, which is fine because it's summertime. But I think that this will really probably help uh, going into the colder months when that's not really an option that people want to go for. You know, like nobody wants to sit outside in the rain. So right. Yeah. Now, it seems very comforting to me. I love that. Okay, so moving on, there's been some big news in the U.S. government. There's this $1 trillion infrastructure bill that's moving through the Senate, and it may be voted on within the next week or two. So I thought we could kind of run through some highlights. Roads, highways, bridges, and trains will see major expansions and repairs. $55 billion will be set aside to improve the country's drinking water, including a plan to replace every lead pipe in America. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, finally. Yeah. $65 billion will go to expanding Broadway, broadband internet access and ensure those who do not have connectivity can afford their monthly payments. That's also fantastic. We heard about that program actually occurring during the pandemic. I think we spoke about this on the show, but it was only helping people out during the pandemic for a few months. So it was like, why Why is this only temporary? Elsewhere in the bill, additional sums aim to upgrade key commercial hubs, including airports, $73 billion to modernize the energy grid. That's important. $21 billion to respond to environmental concerns, including pollution. Lovely. $7.5 billion for an initiative for a first-ever national network of electric vehicle charging stations. That is super cool. So as we can see, lots being covered here. I find this really exciting because we haven't had an infrastructure bill like this in a really long time. I don't know, Laura, the last time we had something like this. Not in our lifetimes, certainly. I mean, one of the... One of the most embarrassing things about the infrastructure in this country is that so much of it hasn't been updated since like the 50s or 60s. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why we have crumbling roads and bridges. Yeah, It's really embarrassing um, to be considered like a developed country and our infrastructure is falling apart. I mean, our... um, energy grid is very clearly vulnerable. I mean, look at the cyber attacks that it has seen just this year. Um, Look at the impact that it's had on our oil pipelines. Remember the colonial pipeline (laughs) when there was Mm -hmm. like no gas on the East Coast or at least the the southern uh, board of the East Coast. So yeah, I mean, this is very much needed. But I think you have a note here that It's an extremely small amount in the grand scheme of what the country actually needs. Yeah, I saw one estimate that found the nation's roads and bridges have actually $786 billion in repair backlogs. So the money that is going to be going to the roads and bridges, for example, is a fraction of what they actually need. And of course, this is $1 trillion over several years. It's not like they're going to spend all this money at once. So, you know, $1 trillion, while that's enormous, you spread that out over a few years over modernizing so much of this country, that's really not much at all. But I did also read that they're going to be that Democrats are going to start working on a two point five trillion dollar bill once this one is done. I assume that one has a lower likelihood of getting anywhere in the Senate because I know Republicans are already balking at this bill. So and and by the way, when Biden started negotiating, he was starting at what? So it was above three trillion. I think it, it may have been closer to five. Oh, yeah. It was and then, very of course, ambitious. Yeah, that yeah. started waning down as uh, Republicans continued to laugh at him, which is so weird. It's like they're like, oh, we can't spend money. Americans don't want us to spend money. Uh, who could be against this? Well, and 
people don't, um, or at least people who balk at this kind of thing don't tend to balk at like how much uh, wars cost this country, how oh. much we spend on the military, um, and how little we spend on things like education in comparison, right? So everybody has one item that they would be willing to write a blank check for. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. Um, Yours and, is weed. Um, No, no, I'd have to think about that. That would be a fun conversation to have. Like, what's your blank check item? <laughs> what's the thing that you would just like hand somebody a check for and be like, charge me whatever for this thing? Yours would be Bruce. Like, you would just want yeah. him to come live in your home with you. Or can I just say like Apple products, computer products? Is that too broad? It's probably too broad. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I mean, this, Andrew, to your point, this is just another example of how Democrats are just kind of like fucking up the fact that they have the majority right now. This mm-hmm. is driving me crazy. It's like, oh, you want to lose midterms. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have the majority in the Senate, but it's so slim. It's like it's it. It's not very helpful. Yeah, but, um, you know, Biden was really going out of his way to try and find common ground with a party that doesn't want to find common ground. They're just trying to stonewall the agenda so that nothing gets done. And so at this point, I'm like, fuck them. Mm-hmm. Get your party into line and get some shit done. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's something. It's not far enough, but it's oh, it's so nice to see when the Senate actually does something good. <laughs> it's so rare. It's like, oh my gosh, look at all of this. This is great. Um, well, unfortunately, I hate to be a Debbie Downer here on the heels of that good news, um, but the temporary halt in residential evictions in the United States expired on July 31st. So this was the only tool keeping millions of tenants in their homes during the course of the pandemic. And while this was supposed to end last month, the Supreme Court declined the petition by landlords and real estate companies to halt the moratorium. Um, Notably, Justice Kavanaugh was in the majority um, voting to decline the petition from landlords and real estate companies and allow the CDC to extend the moratorium until July t- until July 31st. Um, however, July 31st came and went and Congress did not act. In fact, uh, Congress is um, adjourned for now. They're all on vacation. Um, How nice. Yeah, it- it must feel great to be able to get on your plane and go to your, you know, luxurious home, wherever that may be, while knowing that millions of Americans might be kicked out of their apartments because they can't afford to pay months and months of back rent. Yeah. And by the way, they're off for like five, six weeks. Yeah. Why do they get such a long vacation? Sorry. this. Is I know. Tangent, nobody else but... does. Yeah. Come on, that's oh, so frustrating. And then they're going to be back on vacation in like three months from now, and then again in four months from now for the various holidays. Ugh. Anyway. One side of this that we do have to talk about is that $47 billion was actually earmarked to help tenants pay their rent. Um, this was the Emergency Rental Assistance Program, which is a great thing, except rollout of the program has been incredibly slow. Only $3 billion of that $47 billion has been paid out so far. So the assistance is technically there, but getting states and localities aligned to actually get this rolled out at any reasonable pace has been damn near impossible. Um, the White House also punted this over to Congress at the last minute, and there was this frenzied effort to try and extend the moratorium through the end of the year. Of course, we know at this point that that failed on the Hill, which again brings me to the point, what is the point of having the majority (laughs) if you are going to let shit like this happen? Um, The -hmm. White House also tried to punt this to the CDC to extend it, and the CDC said no go based on 
um, the ruling from the Supreme Court back in June. Um, Justice Kavanaugh basically said that in order for the CDC to extend the moratorium beyond July 31st, there would have to be um, congressional authorization to do so. And Congress didn't authorize it. Um, so we're at a point now where the president of the United States is calling on landlords, states, and localities to hold off on evictions for another 30 days while we figure out what to do. That's really bad that it's come to this because they should have seen this coming. And now you want to wait an extra 30 days. Is anything really going to change in 30 days? Well, clearly no, because they got a 30-day extension during which time- This, you know, potentially could have been addressed and it wasn't. So why should we believe that in another 30 days, either it'll be further extended through the end of the year or we will somehow develop a way to get this emergency rental assistance out to people? Um, Because we have to remember, too, it's, you know, obviously I can understand particularly for private landlords, this has been a shit show. Imagine having tenants that are eight, nine months behind on rent if you run a small complex. I empathize with that, but I also empathize with the people who are dealing with housing insecurity. I mean, think about if you have children all of a sudden being kicked out of your home in the middle of a global pandemic that's ramping back up again here in the United States. It's just not tenable. It is going to be interesting and sad to see what happens in the next few weeks if the landlords are going to be evicting people or not. They will. You think so? You don't, you, you don't think any of them will have a little sympathy or empathy? Some of them might, but this isn't... This isn't the president of the United States issuing an executive order saying they can't do it um, because he Mm. doesn't have the authority to do that. Right. It's the president being like, please don't do this. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just a real shame that we that our government has allowed this to come to this point. I'm pretty disgusted. Yeah. Well, I don't know how to transition to this. Pam, do you have any closing thoughts? You really can't. Okay. (laughs) Uh, no, but I just wanted to point out that Elizabeth in the Discord wrote, my landlord raised my rent $150 with the moratorium ending and wrote that as one of the reasons he's raising it now because he can and because the HOA fees went up. So wow, it's clearly not going to stop some people. And I'm sure Elizabeth isn't the only one who has seen some rent increases despite the fact that, you know, we're clearly seeing a spike in COVID again. So yeah. Anyway, well, let's talk about some lighter news. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about everybody's favorite hell site on the internet, Tumblr, <laughs> which uh, many of us maybe have not really thought about in many, many years. Uh, but they're actually back in the news this week or these past few weeks because they're beta testing a new paid subscription feature for its users and fandom, which is obviously um, what makes up a huge chunk of Tumblr's user base, is really pissed off about this. Um, So they announced this limited beta test of Post Plus, which is the super original title for this new paid subscription feature back on the 21st of last month. And it would allow users to post content behind a paywall, very similar to Patreon. They'll be able to decide if they want to monetize content for $4, $6, or $10 a month. And then they get to choose which tiers get access to which post if users decide to opt into this. As part of Post Plus, Tumblr would take 5% of the cut. And to compare that, Twitter is taking 3% to those for, from those who opt into their newly announced subscription feature. So it's pretty much in line with that. Uh, Tumblr has notably been dipping in engagement over the past few years, so it's possible that Post Plus could lure old users back under the guise of making money which is obviously what they're gunning for here because it's uh, it's been pretty bad for them ever since they 
uh, banned, you know, porn and adult content, honestly. So currently there are about 11.3 million posts made daily on Tumblr, which seems like a lot, but it's down from 14.8 million, which is how many unique posts were being posted in 2019. And that is just a fraction compared to the height of Tumblr, which was around 2012 when there were 67.7 million unique posts being made daily. And, um, so I guess we'll see if this works out for them. It's an obviously really easy way to make money, which is why Tumblr users are pissed off about this. But most notably, they're also uh, really annoyed over the terms of service, which basically state that you can post anything that you would normally post on Tumblr behind a paywall, including fan-related works. So like their introductory post for this new feature specifically cited fan art and fan fiction as things that you could post behind a paywall, which anybody that has been involved in fandom over the years will know is a big no-no. You shouldn't really be making money off of somebody else's intellectual properly property. Um, but Tumblr really isn't uh, doing enough, these people who are protesting, say, to educate people that might fall into the guys that this is okay, that could then be sued by larger corporations for trying to make money off of, you know, work that is inspired by something that isn't really theirs. So that's where we are with that. Hmm. First of all, post plus, can anybody is everybody just agreeing that we're calling all subscriptions something plus from now on? It's kind of amazing how that caught on. It's an easy way of communicating a premium service, right? Well, now it is, but I think like, when people first started using that, we were like, "Really? Like who that's was just the first? lame." That's a good question. Who did it Apple plus first? No, it wasn't Apple. Disney. No, I feel like it was earlier than that. Oh. Hulu Plus. There was Hulu Plus. Oh, there I was remember. Hulu Plus. Everybody forgets yeah. about poor Hulu. They're like the ugly <laughs> stepchild of streaming services. <laughs> I think they've since renamed it, but I, I seem to remember them using Plus a few years ago. Oh, HBO does use Max. At least there's that. But Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, Hulu Plus originally, Post Plus. It's just hilarious to me. But anyway, I don't see this working for Tumblr. Tumblr betrayed everybody when they removed porn and other adult content. I forgot Tumblr was still a thing. If I'm being perfectly yeah, I mean, honest. I think most people did because specifically because the last time they were in the news was for banning adult content. And they really, you know, shot themselves in the foot by denying Pornhub's offer to buy them. And weren't they bought by who was it? Yahoo? Yeah, Yahoo paid so much money for Tumblr. Um, I don't have a specific number, but I will say that in comparison to what um, WordPress is, uh, uh, owner paid it it was just like small potatoes in comparison so they've really taken a dip yeah. in terms of their value yeah. and a lot of people made good on their choice to leave after the not safe for work content was pretty much banned so yeah yeah so they shot themselves in in the foot and the audience moved elsewhere tumblr users moved elsewhere so i don't think a subscription platform like this is going to lure people back because Tumblr could screw everybody over again in a different way. Maybe not necessarily with by like closing down Post Plus, but making another really bad move out of the blue. So I just I don't I don't see this working for them. They're just trying to hop on to this movement right now, this trend. And that's the other thing. All the social media networks copy each other. They do the clubhouse ripoffs. They do the Snapchat ripoffs. They now they're all doing this Twitter, like you mentioned, I think Facebook is going to allow tipping if they haven't already. YouTube is doing tipping. They all just rip each other off time and time again. It's tiring. Come up with some original ideas. Right. Another thing worth noting, too, is that a lot of people who are creatives on Tumblr have already figured out a way to, you know, make money off of that if they can. Um, I have a few friends that are fan artists specifically, and they've made use of um, Coffee or Kofi, however you pronounce that site, to make money um, from people that like their work. A lot of them use Patreon as well. There's just like so many different 
ways to do this that means that, you know, this feature, which might have taken off if Tumblr had introduced it, you know, back in the height of their popularity, is probably not going to be very enticing to people that are already, you know, monetizing their content in some way. Absolutely. Drew in the Discord is bringing up a good point. Everyone is saying Tumblr pushed out the people who could make them money, and now those people are on OnlyFans. There you go. Right. They went elsewhere. Yeah, so... I just have to wonder, what does Tumblr think is going to be so attractive about this platform that it would entice people to move their business back? And you really aren't going to do that. Yeah. And if you do that, there's not like some subscriber transfer button across any of these platforms. For example, if we wanted to go somewhere else besides Patreon, we wouldn't. (laughs) It just if, if Laura said to me, hey, Andrew, let's move to Post Plus. I'd be like, Laura, what the fuck is wrong with you? Everybody's already (laughs) pledged on Patreon. Only a fraction of them would move over to Tumblr. Nah, if I was going to propose a move, I would say OnlyFans for (laughs) sure. I think our folks would move to OnlyFans. (laughs) Ah, I guess. But look, we have everybody hooked in here already. That's why I would never move anywhere else. There's like these competitors to Patreon, not even the ones we're talking about, some like Patreon spinoffs, and they try to lure people. I'm like, are you nuts? I'm going to sit here and and probably have to work my ass off to get patrons to move over? No freaking way. I mean, let's be real. There's at least like five dead people subscribed to our Patreon, and nobody's canceled that <laughs> subscription yet. Oh, my God. Well, that's why we can't oh. move. Andrew is sharing the secret millennial <laughs> strategies for keeping engagement. <laughs> I'm writing a book on this. This is this is one of my tips. <laughs> one of my thoughts. Um, as for the fan creation stuff, you know, I, I kind of feel like I can't talk about this because of MuggleCast. I know it's different, but it feels the same. It's, but it's not, though, because you're adding context. That's why, like, we get to do what we do. Because every time you write an analysis feature on Hypable, it's like you're not, you know, using somebody's intellectual, intellectual property like you are, but you're not. You're not saying I'm going to do everything I want to do with these characters, you know, and then and then making money off of that. It's why Archive of Our Own is able to exist as a nonprofit, you know, like they're um, basically a direct response. If anybody like doesn't know their fandom history, they're a direct response to a lot of fan fiction works getting taken down in the early 2000s. And they're Mm -hmm. a nonprofit and don't allow things like, you know, Patreon links on their site so that they can remain a nonprofit and people don't get sued. So, yeah, I nonetheless... Because Warner Brothers has given us some hell before, I I still get paranoid about MuggleCast. Yeah, but that was probably, I bet you, it was in the early 2000s, right? Yes, extremely early. It's, there yep. you go. It was a direct response to like the drama going on on fanfiction.net about whether or not fanfiction was, was legal or not. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people probably don't know this. When MuggleCast and PotterCast launched a few weeks after launch... We disappeared from the Apple podcast directory at that time, you know, the iTunes podcast directory, because Warner Brothers tried to take us down. And I think it was actually it may have been Melissa at Pottercast who called around and was like, yeah, what the hell are you doing? We did obviously get restored, but that's it was scary. It was an uncomfortable reminder of the power these studios have. Anywho. Tumblr Post Plus is is not going to work out. I already know it. Well, uh, in other entertainment news, Scarlett Johansson is not happy about the rollout of Black Widow. Uh, Specifically, she is suing Disney for releasing the movie on Disney Plus. So she filed a lawsuit out in the L.A. Superior Court on Thursday, alleging that Disney breached her contract in simultaneously releasing the movie on Disney Plus and in theaters. Uh, The suit alleges that she agreed that her salary for Black Widow would be based in part on its box office success. The suit also says that as part of her contract, she, quote, extracted a promise from Marvel that the release of the picture would be a theatrical release. On the other side, Disney claims that there is no merit whatsoever to this filing. And they also kind of uh, delivered a low blow by adding that the suit is, quote, especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
The studio also added that Johansson has received $20 million to date and that Black Widow's release on Disney Plus has only added to her big payday for starring in the movie. Uh, For a little bit of context here, Black Widow raked in about $80 million in theaters and $60 million globally on Disney Plus in its opening weekend. Mm -hmm. And to date, it's racked up about $318 million worldwide. What did you guys think about this when you heard the news? Well, first of all, it's not appropriate for Disney to release her salary, right? Salary, right? That's normally not something that's shared, and they just came out of the yeah, floodgates yeah, and revealed so it. I'm of two minds of this on this. First of all, she's burning a pretty big bridge here. Like, yeah, her character is done with in the Marvel universe, but she could have worked with Disney on other movies. And now I feel like no matter which way this goes, they're going to be less inclined to work with her. Right, Pam? I, would I mean, think isn't... so. At the same time, I don't think she cares. Like, yeah. you know, Black Widow really is kind of her. I know that, spoilers, you know, the multiverse is coming down the pipeline. So technically, anybody could come back if you look at the logistics of that. But I just really don't think she cares. I think Black Widow was always meant to be her last movie. Yeah. And so she can kind of just do this now because she doesn't really need to stay yeah yeah it's just disney is so big that you know and they own so many different studios it's like it just feels like you're right i think she doesn't care also a contract is a contract and i believe her contract guaranteed a theatrical exclusivity window right that must be what she was talking about here yeah but i do think that i like that you brought this up because i think that a lot of us were asking why Black Widow was not getting, you know, sent straight to Disney Plus, especially since they kept pushing it back and pushing it back. And Disney was releasing other titles on there throughout the course of, you know, the the theater shutdown and stuff like that. And now I feel like we kind of have our answer as to why they didn't do it. I would have assumed that that was standard contract lingo for actors. I'm signing up for a theatrical picture and it'll be released in theaters. I think that's pretty common, actually. I remember when Lionsgate announced that the final Allegiant movie would be skipping theaters and would be a TV movie. The actors all bowed out and they were able to escape their contracts because the contracts stipulated that the movie would be a theatrical release. So in order for the studio to get them back, they were going to have to renegotiate contracts. And guess what? That never happened. I also think she's doing this for fellow actors and other creatives in the industry. That's what I was thinking. This could set some major precedents, and it could allow other actors to sue or get additional money for other movies that were released on streaming platforms instead of exclusively theatrically. Yeah, I'm also seeing chatter in our Discord, and I briefly looked it up to see um, if it's substantiated, but apparently Emma Stone is considering doing the same over Cruella. Mm, Yeah. Oh, wow, that's huge. So I guess she's considering doing the same in light of Scarlett Johansson pursuing this. Um, I think that it is um, a good thing. I mean, ultimately, as I said, a contract is a contract. And if you guaranteed her a theatrical exclusivity window and said that her earnings would be determined based on box office sales, then you broke your contract. Yeah. At the Like, it's plain and simple at the end of the day. Um, and hopefully, my hope is that this would empower actors who maybe don't have, um, like the heavyweight star status that people like Scarlett Johansson has to be able to negotiate better contracts. Also, hopefully, this becomes a standard negotiation now that, you know, day and date direct releases on streaming services are more of a thing. Hopefully that just becomes a standard um, inclusion as part of your initial contract negotiation. What will my compensation be in the event that my film is released day and date um, with the theatrical release? Yeah. And and you bring up a really good point about that because the thing about you know, something like Black Widow, Cruella, or any movie that we're seeing this year, we were supposed to see last year, is that those contracts were drafted up years ago, way before anybody even probably fathomed the idea 
that the the exclusivity window for theatrical releases would be narrowed, that we would be living in a time where studios would seriously be considering sending really big titles straight to streaming. Um, even, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how Kevin Feige was discussing how they were contracting stars for their movies and how one of the things that they are now putting into contracts is, you know, theme park attraction um, obligations and things <laughs> like that. So I'm sure all of that is stuff that that, you know, wasn't being discussed 10 years ago that now people are thinking, well, I got to make sure that I I stick that into my contract now, because if not, I'm going to be out a serious amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I think that it is really easy as normal people to to look at this and be like, oh, no, famous Hollywood actor didn't get paid as much as they wanted to for their big film. Um, but money still isn't an object for this person. Like they're rich and famous. Like there's just certain realities of life that they don't have to contend with. And it can be really easy to take a cynical stance and look at it like that. Like, Oh, boo hoo. Mm -hmm. You know, you're already rich. Why are you complaining? But I think from a legal standpoint, it's a really interesting case to look at. And, you know, it can have trickle down effects on, as we've alluded to earlier, like which actors are going to work with which studios. Yeah. You know, like I, I think you're probably right that it would be weird if Scarlett Johansson ever worked with Disney again after this. <laughs> no. Of course, they did bring James Gunn back. For Guardians Three, yeah, that's true. That wasn't that was a different situation. That was, yeah, that was different. But also, yeah, but Disney also has more money than God, so they probably don't care. Yeah, and I mean, if they're nice to Scarlet after this, then that might imply, hey, other actors, feel free to sue us, and uh, we'll we'll play nice years after this. They might want to make an example out of her and be like, if you try to sue us. We're not working with your ass again. So don't even think about it. Because for a lot of people, not working with Disney again would be devastating. And you also have to think about how these execs, they move over to other studios. Maybe some of them would carry a grudge to another studio. And before you know it, you're just shut out of Hollywood. I mean, honestly, other studios might not like that Scarlet's suing Disney. So we, we've established that she might not care. She might be finished with uh, acting in movies, but big repercussions in the industry. Uh, did either of you see Jungle Cruise? No. Yes. I have not. I heard it was good. It was good. Yeah. Pam, did you like it? I <laughs> I didn't like it very much. Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was fine. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, the first Pirates movie, mm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, for me, it was like Pirates meets The Mummy, and both of those movies um, played pivotal roles in my childhood, so I, I just see. feel like it was living up to, had a lot of big shoes to fill, basically. I thought it was it. an ideal summer action comedy, so I liked it from that perspective. There was an openly-ish gay character who had a pretty prominent role in it. However, they made him very stereotypically gay, in my opinion. I'm surprised I'm not seeing more people talk about this, meaning complain about this online. He was, I mean, one example, specific example was at the beginning when they're about to go out on their jungle cruise, he's carrying loads of suitcases for his travels. Frank, who's played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he's like, oh, Lily, is that all of your suitcases? And she's like, no, those are my brother's suitcases. But then he was just also wimpy and awkward. I just felt he was very stereotypically gay. And that bothered me. It's like the first time Disney is actually going to put a gay character in a almost lead role and they just make him a, a stereotypical gay guy that's not helpful so because i don't know genuinely they were very like open and outward with it like they explicitly were like this is a gay character well first of all you or was it implied well at first of all i thought it was pretty heavily implied but there is a scene between the gay character and The Rock's character, where he doesn't come out and say it. He doesn't say, I'm gay. 
but he implies it heavily. Basically, they're talking about how some lady wanted to marry him and he was like, and I said no to her and like all of the other prospects because my interests lay elsewhere. Yeah. And then Frank is like to elsewhere or something like that. Yeah. He was just like, all right. (laughs) Yeah. And look, that's great. He's accepting of it, of course, but stereotypically gay. And I was frustrated by that. Yeah. I can understand that. That sounds really aggravating. Just make him straight. Make him straight acting like me. (laughs) <laughs> and then he could still have that line with the rock. And, uh, you know, because it's also about normalizing gay people. And you can't really do that for those who are still uncomfortable around gay people or who are just straight up homophobic. If the, you're also making the character a stereotypical gay guy, that that doesn't help anything. All right. It's time for some recommendations. I want to recommend a game that I heard from somebody else the other day. I have mentioned on the show over the years that I used to love Roller Coaster Tycoon as a kid, and they recently, by recently, I mean two, three years ago, they brought Roller Coaster Tycoon Classic to iPhone and iPad, and I was so excited about this. The port was such a a well-done port of the game. It works very well on the phone. But now there's a new Roller Coaster Tycoon in town, and it's actually been out for a while. I had never actually looked into it before. It's called Planet Coaster, and it's Roller Coaster Tycoon on steroids. It's a modern take on Roller Coaster Tycoon with the graphics, the details, the control. It's all incredible. I am really blown away by this. It's almost too much. I kind of like that Roller Coaster Tycoon is a simpler game, even still playing it on your phone. Um, But I'm really liking how granular it is. And I've always loved building theme parks on the computer. So check out Planet Coaster. I wanted to recommend Never Have I Ever on Netflix, uh, which is written by Mindy Kaling. Uh, season two dropped a couple of weeks ago, and it's just such a fun show. Season one was really great. Season two is fantastic. So if you're looking for a really nice little coming of age rom-com series, I would definitely recommend checking that out if you haven't already. Um, Mindy's writing is always just top notch, and she's just that's her sweet spot like that rom-com um genre she's just so good at that so check that out if you haven't yet um i want to recommend if you like me are incapable of keeping plants alive try adding a succulent to your home to liven up your living space succulents are very hardy and also very hard to kill Um, And they also look great. So I recently uh, got my first one for our new place and have it set up in my kitchen. And it just looks so, so nice. You can get them pretty much at any grocery store, sells them. Um, I happened to notice that Ikea was selling them. So I bought one there. Um, They have a lot of plants there. It's kind of surprising. Yeah, yeah. They're a really cheap investment and uh, easy to keep alive. You only have to water them like once a week. So it's a low lift obligation. Trader Joe's also always has a really nice succulent selection and different sizes too. And Laura, I just Googled Publix succulents and it looks like they do sell them. So indeed, keep an eye out. Make sure you punch in your phone number when you pick one up. Yeah, see if you get a discount. <laughs> So, ladies, what's coming up in After Dark today? I have a Rage of the Week. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. Pam has a Rage of the Week. Um, I'm so excited to hear this. Andrew and I have not heard this. We have no idea. So it's going to be news to everyone. Um, We're going to play the mini game of guess which items are movers lost (laughs) and broke (laughs) when returning them home. Um, And then we're going to do an AMA with our Discord. So folks who are listening with us live in the Discord, be thinking about the kinds of questions you want to ask or what things you want us to talk about. And you might hear them in this week's edition of After Dark. So patreon.com slash millennial is where you can pledge. Thank you, everybody, for your support. We really appreciate it. We are rolling out benefits on a weekly basis. We have some monthly benefits as well, including our variety show. Uh, Laura and I, last week, we watched Sexy Beasts, the new Netflix show. We did a commentary for episode one. And boy, was it something. Yep. It sure was. We were laughing throughout, so hopefully it's an entertaining commentary. You can sync it up with uh, your own Netflix account 
to enjoy what we have to say. Patreon.com slash millennial. You also get Mega Millennial, which is ad-free millennial with After Dark, all in one nice MP3 file. And you can actually hook a special RSS feed into most podcasting apps, and then you will get Mega Millennial just like you do regular millennial. A couple other reminders. Make sure you're following the show for free on your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. Please also leave us a review in your in your favorite podcasting app if they allow reviews. You can also contact us by writing directly to millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Maura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, Bye. everyone. Lowe's knows top outdoor power equipment. And now's the time to get your yard ready for spring with Ego Outdoor Power Equipment starting at 219. Experience the latest innovations in outdoor battery power from Ego, like Speed IQ technology that adapts mower speed to your stride. Get continuous non-stop trimming with the Line IQ string trimmer and get added steering wheel precision with the E-Steer Zero Turn Mower. Shop Ego, the number one rated brand in cordless outdoor power. Only at Lowe's today.